Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Baggies Broadcast, Season 2, Episode 28. My name is Luke Hatfield. As ever, I am joined by a man who's walked into the office in a very giddy mood, Mr Matt Wilson. I think giddy might be overstating it, but yes, I'm in a good mood. Yeah, good mood. Um, feels like forever since I last ho- hosted a podcast with you, Matt. Yeah, you're slacking. What have you been doing? I don't know, I've just been I've been issued days off on Mondays and... Um, Unfortunately, when the podcast normally falls on a Monday, it means that I'm not the man to step in. I think Nathan Judah wants to kind of usurp my place. Yeah, I think he does. Maybe he's seen the success that the Baggies broadcast has had. Um, enjoyable weekend for you? Yeah, it was all right. Um, obviously, Saturday was uh, was fun. The late kickoff was a bit of a pain. Mm. Um, didn't get back till half ten and then plenty of work to do. So I was up until the, the wee hours of the morning working, but... Um, and then Sunday was just a nice day with the family, so yeah, happy days. Oh, very nice, mate. Very nice trip, trip to Stoke. Not too far. Could have been worse. Uh, not too far for the majority of people, but I'm I'm down in Warwickshire, so there's an extra hour on top of it for me. So mm. I prefer the uh, the trips south to the trips north. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, certainly that Middlesbrough trip. I'll never forget that one. That what was, was it four and a half hours? Yeah, that was awful. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about the game, um, shall we? Is it time for Albion's fans to start believing, Matt? Because, I mean, when you're, when you're fighting out and earning 1-0 wins like this, as you most eloquently put in your recent an- analysis piece, that's when you start to really believe in a team because they're grinding these things out now. I think it might be slightly too early to um, to say that, that... I mean, obviously you can start believing, but what I mean, I think it might be slightly too early to think this is done and dusted. Mm. Um, you know... Let's not forget that before this match, there was only one win in five, and um, Stoke were pretty poor. I thought pretty mm. toothless. I mean, I I don't know what Nathan Jones is obviously trying to play a certain type of way, but it's just even it's not delivering results. You know that Stoke team has only scored three goals in the last eight league games, which shows you um, how bad they are. You know up front and in the final third, um, so. Don't need to get ahead of yourselves too much. But yes, I think there were some encouraging signs on Saturday, particularly um, the fourth clean sheet in eight league games. Um, The way that they professionally saw out the game in the second half, doing the necessary um, things such as committing professional fouls, um, you know, running the clock down, taking the ball into the corner, that sort of... um, I don't want to say the dirty side because it's not the dirt, but the the sort of um, just the sort of things that you need to do. The you know the um, maybe the unattractive things that you need to do to to get away wins over the line. Mm. Um, and it was an important it was important to see that after they threw away two games in a row in 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 the week um, against Middlesbrough and then against Brighton in the FA Cup. So that was encouraging. I also feel that when the new signs get settled in. Um, they will bring bring another boost to to the team. Johansson already looks like he's going to be a fan's favourite. You know, after throwing his shirt into the crowd at full time, and I thought he played really well. Um, I can only really think of one miscontrol. Um, apart from that, he was pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, Murphy, I didn't have a great second half, and I think he he got rattled when he got kicked. Yeah. Um, but I thought he looked bright in the first fifteen minutes, and he had the first three shots in the game. Um, and okay, they weren't very. I mean, they weren't on target, but um, and didn't threaten the goal. But he was making good runs. Mm-hmm. And I think the more he plays, um, the more he'll get into in tune with the with the team. And I also feel like him and Montero are replacing the pace that was lost when Harvey Barnes was recalled and when um, Matt Phillips fell injured because. That was pretty much all of Albion's direct running, taking out the team there. Yeah, you know, you you, you can't expect Gareth Barry to go on runs. You can't, you know, you can't expect Jake Livermore to go on runs. Um, they're just not that those types of player. Um, Dwight Gale's capable of it, but you know he's more of a fox in the box. So they need they needed that sort of player, and 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 they brought them in. Um, so I think those two in time will add to it as well. So yes, okay, I don't think you can count your chickens, but that was a very important win, um, particularly on the weekend where Sheffield United, Leeds and Middlesbrough all dropped points. Yes, certainly, and it was Dwight Gale again who obviously got on the score sheet. A great goal, dreadful defending. But I tell you what, the ball from Ahmed Agassi, left foot on the, on the volley. That's a great ball. I mean, it's a weak foot as well. It's a, it's a superb goal. I mean, I, 
I've got all sorts of questions about the Stoke back line. But, I mean, credit to Albion there for me. I mean, that's a superb little set piece and it's worked off, it's, it's come off a charm. Yeah, and Higazi's been playing well recently. Um, he he didn't, he wasn't great when they were playing three at the back. But then, who was really in the defence? Mm. You know, none of them really looked that, that comfortable. Um but in the last sort of half a dozen to eight to ten games, he's been fantastic. He's yeah. been probably one of the better performers in the team. Um, really composed on on the ball. Um, he heads everything that comes into the box. I mean, Sam Vokes was is their one one of their plans. Stokes' plans was obviously to try and use that Sam Vokes' aerial presence because he does offer you that. But Dawson and Higazi just dealt with it admirably, and, and mm. there was no way that they were. Stoke were going to score that way, um, but then for him to cap it, cap off a solid defensive performance with um, with that touch across to Gale was was brilliant, and he's been really he's played really well recently, um, and he's becoming a, a, a crucial part of this this newfound resilience at the back. As I said mm. earlier, it's four clean sheets and eight now in the league, and they've the goal they've they've stopped conceding loads of goals. Okay, they did against Middlesbrough. Um, conceding three goals uh, from open play to a Tony Pulis team is pretty unacceptable. Mm-hmm. But you know, that was, I put that result down to the force of nature that is Pulis against his former clubs. You know, he gets inside people's heads and it, it just happens. I don't know how it happens. It Almost like a bit of a derby, isn't it? it? Just, it's just, a, he holds a hoodoo over his old clubs. But this result, um, albeit against a really poor Stoke side, um, and and the, and the recent and and ever since they went to a back four, really the the newfound defensive solidity mm. suggests to me that they've got what it takes to to grind out the results in the running that they're going to need to do. Um, it's a big week now, though, because obviously you've got Nottingham Forest um, tomorrow, who are better than Stoke. Yeah, um, you know they've got a good weekend, a good win at the weekend, and they're going to be tough to break down. I, I've got no bones about that because they only played. They only had about thirty percent possession against Brentford at the weekend, and they won. So um, I think if you know, if there's one thing I Neil knows what to do, it is how to organise defence. So they're going to be tough to break down, and, and and I think teams have have frustrated Albion at the Hawthorns this season, which is why the away form is now better than the home form because Albion are almost better at sort of when teams come onto them and they can soak up the pressure and hit them on the counter, especially when they leave three men up front in the way that they do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens then and then obviously you've got the big game on Saturday the big derby against uh, your boys yeah I mean, I'm gutted by the way that Albion didn't get through the FA Cup not only because a cup run would have been nice but it also meant that I would actually be in the country for the game um, you're on holiday I'm on holiday and I'm absolutely livid about it because um, I'd love to cover that game at Villa Park just as I did at the one at the Hawthorns because it was a superb game and the atmosphere is great Um and it's, it's, it always, always promises to be a bit of a cracker, doesn't it? Yeah. But back to the Stoke game. I mean, for for us, for Stoke, the players they've got they've got in their squad, they've been really poor, haven't they? This season? they've been. I mean, they've they've been shocking, especially against Albion. They've looked toothless both times we played them. Yeah, you're right, and they haven't scored a goal um, in those two games. And like I said earlier, they they just can't put the ball in the net, and yet they've got a phobia on the bench. I don't know what Nathan Jones is thinking playing James McLean as a um, as a central forward. That's not his strengths. He's a winger and mm. he's best he's best on the counter attack, which is why I think Pulis went for him. Yeah, you can sort of almost see a you know you've seen him do it for Ireland where he he, he does those lung busting runs and gets gets his teams out of trouble by taking the ball up the other end of the pitch. Um, I I don't know what he's thinking there, and um, I, they're in they're in big trouble. I think. I mean. They're 12 points off the playoffs and 12 points off the bottom three. So <laughs> there's going to come a time when they're going to start looking over their shoulder rather than looking looking up. So, um, But you still have to beat them um, and you still have to beat them away from home. Um, and I, I think that's, that was a good result for, for Albion, particularly considering where they had come from yeah. off the back of two defeats in a row and, and, and the minor, a minor blip in form. Like I said earlier, I think once these new signings are integrated, hopefully Albion can kick on them and maybe produce a performance that's slightly more... Complete because that was a, that was a brilliantly resolute backs the walls performance, but they didn't the, the the things that they were trying up front didn't always come off. Yeah, um, and hopefully they can they can improve their patterns of play going forward in in the future. Yeah, and you you know you said the the stat about the clean sheets. I mean, it's, you can't really emphasise just how important that is because you know it's it is a cliche. Um, you know, goals win games, but 
you know defenses win titles and if Albion can keep up getting clean sheets and making themselves very hard to beat they're, it goes to it goes without saying that they're going to trouble a lot of teams. They're always going to score. That's the thing. If you've got Gael and Rodriguez in the team, you're always going to score. Um, mm. You know they've got the goals have dried up a little bit, but they've got 60 goals from 30 games. They're joint highest scorers in the division. Gale's proven that he only needs one chance and he'll stick it away time and time again. He's got the best goals per minute ratio in the in the league. Mm. Um, or he did at least before the weekend. I don't know if Billy Sharp's now. Uh, overtaking him Billy Sharp's got all sorts all sorts of goals um, but you know those two together will get you goals mm. so and like we saw on Saturday um, if you can keep a clean sheet you've got a great chance of, of winning the game so um, I think that should be the way forward um, you know I don't think they should necessarily completely ignore the attack because that's what has served them well so far but it's all about playing to, to the strengths, isn't it? I mean, mm. when they had Barnes and Phillips on, on fire on all cylinders, they they were blitzing teams. Um, and now they've got um, now they haven't got those two players, and they're trying to integrate a few more players. They've got the likes of they've got a midfield three of Livermore, Barry, and Johansson. That is slightly more uh, accustomed to controlling a game and seeing it out and battling, and, and you know. But Gibbs and Holgate are still very attacking fullbacks. Mm. Um, and you stay, they're still leaving three up front, so I don't think they're completely um, sitting in. You know, we're not. This is not a, a Tony Pulis style approach. This is they're still trying to attack. And there was even a time on on Saturday when I felt like, why on earth are they leaving three men up front still at this late stage? It's one nil with, with 15 minutes to go. Just, yeah. just drop one of them back in. But then Jay Rodriguez dropped back in and conceded a, a foul on the edge of the box. And I thought, oh, okay, that's probably why they're doing it because yeah. those people they're asking to drop in aren't necessarily going to actually help the situation. They might just hinder it. So there were a couple of strikers challenges late on. There were, although Gales, I thought Gales' little trip was a was a was a very well timed professional foul. Mm. Um, but but Rodriguez's barge in the edge of the area was 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 not was not wise. So. Maybe there is a reason why they're why they're doing that. Um, and you know, you if you leave three men up, you I suppose you're always giving the, the opposition something to think about, and you are trying, you're being brave and trying to get the the second goal. Mm. Um, and sometimes when you sit back and invite the pressure on, you 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 almost play into the opposition's hands, and, and you almost they almost almost inevitably score in this division particularly because there just seems to be so many crazy games late goals late on so giving the opposition something to think about later on is nothing um, it's not a bad idea um, especially with Albion's sort of proficiencies on the counter-attack this season albeit they've you know they are a bit worse at that now without Phillips and Barnes however like I said earlier hopefully uh, Murphy and Montero can replace that yeah, fingers crossed they can. And I mean, after the goal, we did see um, a couple of flares land on the other bet 365 pitch. I can never condone the use of flares, but I mean, I tell you what, it made for a great. I mean, the atmosphere, it seemed, seemed like the atmosphere, having watched it on TV, seemed great. And having seen some of the clips on social media and some of the pictures that came out of it, I mean, you can tell now that the Albion fans are fully behind this team, which might not have been the case at the start of the season, I don't think. There were a lot of question marks from some fans. But now it seems like a lot of people are behind the team. I think the away fans will always give you that, um, especially when it's um, quite a local game, especially when um, they've been given an allocation of almost 3,000 and it's sold out um, and it's a reasonable time. It's a Saturday game. It's not a Friday night game in flipping Middlesbrough. Yeah. The away fans will always give you that and they have done all season. You know, I'm thinking about trips to um, Wigan, um, trips to... Uh, Rotherham, Preston. You know, there there have been games. Have we been to Preston yet? Oh, I don't know. There have been yeah, games, we we've been to Preston. Have, yeah, we had the pie. Oh, we had the pie. Yeah. There there have been games where the um, where the away fans have, have taken three th- between two and three thousand, sometimes more than that, three and a half thousand, and they've been they have overshadowed the home fans mm. and they've outsung them and and it's they've created the atmosphere and that. I think that does help the. I think that does help the players. You know, I think they do appreciate that. And there were considering the, the tunnel. I, I don't think. Yeah, you know, I don't think Stoke really do themselves many favors by putting the tunnel so near to the away fans. I don't know why yeah. they do that. I, I'm not if sure. If I was if I was stadium manager at the Bet Three Six Five, I would change that because 
you're just playing into the away fans' hands. You know, mm. You're giving them the opportunity to clap their team off at half-time. You're giving them the opportunity to hurl abuse at the home team, you know, as they did yep. against McLean and Berahino. I just think it's an odd... Why would you do that? Why would you play into the away fans' hands? Anyway, that's by the by. Um, I do I do think the away fans have been brilliant this season. Um, and the atmosphere at the Hawthorns has, has been fantastic as well. Um, at times... Okay, it, it, it may have dropped off a tiny bit recently and maybe only because of the games and the way that the games were going. But even if you look at the Middlesbrough game, mm. um, the atmosphere, when it, you know, when it was tight, was actually really good. Yeah. It was just when they got sucker points late on that, that things started to go bad. And that's always going to happen, isn't it? So yeah. I, think, I think that atmosphere really helps. I think it helps the players. Um, I wonder if there is... I mean, it's six wins from seven now away from home and only one win in six at home. Um, so I wonder if there is if there is something to do with, you know, the added pressure of playing at home. Mm. Um, that being said, you know, the, the home form at the beginning of the season was absolutely brilliant. So maybe maybe it's just one of these things that, you know, it just happens. You know, teams come to the Hawthorns, they, they, they set up defensively, they're tough to break down, they try and nick something. Brentford nick something, Norwich um, nick something. You know, you, you think about the Middlesbrough game and... Maybe it's nothing to do with with where 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 you're playing. It's just the teams you're playing. So yeah, um, be interesting to see how they get on tomorrow night. Um, but I expect that it will be a good atmosphere because I think there is now a feeling that this is Albion's time to kick on. Yeah. We're, we're getting into the final third of the season. We've had thirty games. We've got sixteen to go. So we're, this is the the point of going to the final third, and they are they've done the January business. Those players are settled in. They're at the FA Cup. There's yeah. no distractions. There's no more. You know. There's no. Will Barnes be replaced? Will you know? There's nothing to distract them now. And I feel like now everything's settled. They feel like they can focus fully on this. And I think um, this is now their time to to really kick on and, and make a statement in these next few games against some good teams. Because I think four of the next five opponents are in the top ten. Mm. Um. And Albion have done quite well against the the uh, Middlesbrough excluded. Albion have done quite well against the teams around them this season. So um, I think there's there is a feeling now that it's time to grasp the nettle, as it were. Yeah, let's play a little bit of hot and not, uh, Matt. Uh, the first hot, uh, Stefan Johansson, impressive. Um, I thought surprises me that that Fulham were almost willing to let him go, considering the season he had for them in the Championship. Of course, he's under a new management at Fulham now, so it's slightly different. But still surprising to see him freely allowed to join Albion. Well, I think Fulham probably think, believe he, rightly or wrongly, that he is a championship player not capable of stepping up to the Premier League. Mm. Um, I, know, I know that Johansson was pretty disappointed with how little game time he's received, considering how crucial he's been to Fulham in the last two seasons. I mean, he's yeah. played pretty much every game um, for them. And <clears throat> I, from what I understand, he was... He was almost open to to be coming to Albion permanently. Yeah, and I think I think you can see that in his in his body language on Saturday. You know, he is not. This is not a lonely who is upset at being at Albion. You know, oh, I've been bombed out by my mm. by my parent club. This is someone that is is desperate. Is 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 keen to come. Was um, seems to really relish it. Just wants to be on the pitch. Seems to be really enjoying it. You know, he's already really taken to the fans. The fans have taken to him. They were singing his name. Um, and I think he might be the best signing of the, or the shrewdest signing, I should say, from from de- from the uh, deadline day trio because mm. um, it's going to be hard for Murphy and Montero to step into Barnes's shoes, so that's going to be difficult for them. But Johansson actually he adds something new. He is an, he's an addition. He boosts the squad. He mm. he's an extra man. And last season he played in a four three three system with Fulham. And flourished alongside, I think it was Tom Kearney, and who's the other guy who plays in there? I can't remember now. For Fulham? Yeah, he, he sat deep. I can't remember who it was now. Was it McDonald? Yes, Kim McDonald, yes. So McDonald sat deep, Kearney sort of flitted around, and, and Johansson was a sort of box-to-box dynamic up and downer. And that's what Albion needed. I mean, remember, before Phillips was converted to a midfielder, that's exactly what Albion needed. They needed yeah. that dynamic midfield presence, because we were saying, oh, you know, we've got some pretty passes in there. With uh, Gareth Barry and James Morrison, etc., but you don't have the dy- the dynamism, and he's in his prime, Johansson. And I think once he gets up to match speed and match fitness, 
he will be a shrewd acquisition and it might allow Matt Phillips to play a bit further forward um, so yeah I'm impressed with him and it'll be interesting to see how he gets on for the rest of the season but I think it, it, it early days but it looks like it's, it's a good sign I was going to ask you I know it is early on but with everyone fit does Johansson start in that midfield I think so yeah I think if it was my if I was picking the team and it was you know I don't know say it was a big game away at Villa or something and you had uh, and you had to pick your, your strongest 11 and everyone was fit I think I would pretty much pick the team that played on Saturday but mm-hmm. swap Phillips for Murphy yeah now that's just based on what we've seen this season Murphy might, you never know, Murphy might wow us all yeah. in the next couple of games and, and make it difficult for, the, for him to be dropped. You don't know. Um, but based on what I've seen this season, that's that's what I would pick. Um, slightly harsh on Raheem Harper, slightly harsh on Sam Field, but I think there was a grit and a steel and an experience on Saturday mm. that helped them see out the uh, see out the game. Yeah, one not... Um... Jake Livermore's tackle in the first half. He's just come off a suspension. I know. Jake, just calm down, son. Just calm down. Livermore is someone that I think he, he's quite an emotional chat. He's quite emotionally led. Um, and he is prone to these, to, to almost trying too hard. Now, mm. that's not an excuse. I'm not excusing what he does. But um, he is, he, you know, he is a battling midfielder who who needs to play almost on the edge to get himself in the mood. Yeah. Um, and yeah, he went over the ball um, on that occasion. And um, I don't think there was any malice in it. I think it's just... No, I don't think there was any malice in it. I think he sl- his foot slipped off the ball and he caught Vokes on the ankle. But you've seen them. You've seen people get sent off for that. Yeah. And if he was sent off for that, that's his third red card of the season, which I think is a five-game Is it five games, I think, yeah. It would be awful to have lost him. So Albin got away with one there. He needs to... Look, I know, as I said, it slipped off the ball. wasn't mm. necessarily done with a tackle with intent. But he does need to be careful because he's he's, he's, he's also got a reputation now yeah. after two red cards. Um, whether or not you felt like those red cards were fair or not, I'm not sure, but, you know... You, against uh, was it Blackburn on New Year's Day he came off the bench and he was obviously so riled up and so eager to 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 get Albion back in the game he, he ended up chucking I can't remember who it was someone to the ground he just needs to mm. maybe play with a bit more maturity that we, should, we, we would hopefully expect from him mm. um, but yeah Albion got away with one there yeah um, back to the hots uh, we mentioned him before Ahmed Hagazi um, I mean what an all round performance I thought just in general against Stoke I mean everything as you said, that came his way defensively, he handled, and then going forward, he, he he played a part as well. And as you said, over the past, over recent games, I mean, he's been the pick of Albion's defenders. Him and Dawson are very good as a centre back pairing. They don't can they they do not lose many games when Albion when Albion play mm. with those two. They are uh, no nonsense defenders. They head it and kick it, um, but they're also trying to be taught to play a bit of football. I think that suits Hagazi. And Dawson can also do it because he's played as right back, mm-hmm. so they're not awful at with their ball with their with the feet of the ball either. Um, you know, I know for a lot of Albion fans who have watched them funny about with it, that 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 will seem a strange uh, thing to say. But when you compare it, I suppose to other no nonsense snotters at the back, mm. they're actually okay. Um, but yeah, it's their it's the towering headers that that they mop up, and you know. Um, both of them would, you know, I, both of them are brilliant in the air. So I think um, I think that's a good partnership moving forward. And um, I, I imagine, unless there's an injury, that it'll be the, it'll be the partnership for the rest of the season. You think so? Um, the last knot, because I've only got two knots. So that's how good the week's been. Um, I don't know whether you saw this map, but the uh, the Twitter feed footy accumulators decided to uh, post a tweet on Saturday evening or Sunday morning, um, asking if there was an uglier away kit than West Brom's, which didn't go down too well with the old Albion fans, and they've recently deleted that tweet. I'm not surprised. Um, I mean, it's, it's a little bit classless, but I, I mean, especially considering that it's probably the best away kit in the league. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, it's an iconic kit, and it's it's very tastefully done. Um even the little WBA motifs on the shirts. I mean, yeah. it's very... I, I, I absolutely love it, personally. Um, and I hope I, that that kit or a version of it continues to be Albion's away kit in years to come because I think... And, and 
I, I think the players enjoy playing in it. You know, I mean, they've won a lot of games in that yeah. game this season, and and you know, for some for some of those players, um, I mean, I might be reading too much into this, but for some of those players who, who perhaps maybe not grew up because they're probably not not old enough, but are aware of its iconic status in the seventies, mm. and, and are aware of of the sort of the way that it. Um, the affinity it has with the likes of Cyril Regis and Brendan Batson and Laurie Cunningham. I wonder if there's a bit of a, if there's a, a pride element in for some of those players playing in that mm. in that kit. I think you mentioned in a previous podcast as well, seeing the likes of Raheem Harper, Field, some of the other young players who Albion have worked up through the ranks, seeing them in that kit, and you do think that there is like an underlying almost pride wearing it. Yeah, I mean, players. Yeah, like you say, like Field and Harper and, and Edwards. It's very Albion, isn't it? They are Albion youth team players, and, and they're playing the yellow and green away kit. It's it's just, I do think there's something about that um, that you don't necessarily get mm. with a a red or a black away kit. Um, you just feel like that's another another shirt that you're putting on. But um, I might be reading too much into it. The players might not care at all mm. um, what they're playing in, but they're getting a lot of results in that kit. Yeah. Um, you won't see many kick clashes either. I'll tell you no, that. No, and I think it's. I mean, personally, I just think it's absolutely gorgeous. As, yeah. And in terms of a, a kit, in terms of like the colour scheme, I just think it's. I just think it's very striking and looks really good. And you know, it's it. They're Albion colours, aren't they? Mm. They are. They are. They are quintessential Albion colours. And yeah, it, it was a travesty that it wasn't. It wasn't um, the away kit for so long. Yeah, certainly. Uh, and the last hot, uh, the way West Brom managed the game late on. I tell you what, that was. I mean, it showed an experience, it showed quality, and it showed just generally, I think, the composure that Darren Moore has alongside the team. The ways they saw out that game, little things like Mason Holgate making that massive long run up the right flank. I mean, that's the kind of thing which does eventually see you winning, if not titles, promotion. They wanted it, though, because of what had happened against Middlesbrough. Mm. You know, they threw it away against Middlesbrough. And they, they looked incredibly determined not to let that happen again. Um, and Darren Moore also deserves credit for his substitutions because, um, you know, he got them right. He brought on Montero um, when Murphy was rattled after the after he got kicked. Montero gave him a little bit of a little bit of extra pace. And, and also, I thought, although he didn't really create much, I thought the way that he understood the game that he was playing in and ran the clock down and kept possession mm. and there was a time when he could have crossed the ball but he didn't he checked back inside recycled possession I thought that was very mature from him and it was good to see because especially in that situation when you could be I need to impress my debut I need to impress yeah. I need to go on and really do something and impress the fans and the coach no he was he was very sensible and I, I thought that was that was good to see um, then he brought on Harper to add a bit of dynamism and a bit of pace in midfield and Harper made a couple of runs that that uh that gave um, Stokes something to think about, but mm-hmm. also got back in. And, and I think what we're seeing now is that is that Darren Moore can now trust Raheem Harper and Sam Field after after the last half a dozen games when those two players have been called upon because of the midfield injury crisis. I don't think I don't think Moore's got any um, problems throwing those two in now, saying, "Okay, we need to see out this game." Mm. You you know Harper Field could be Field another day. Go on, help us see out the game. I trust you now because you've done it. Yeah, you've proven to me over the last month or two that you can do this um, and I wonder if he would have made that sub at another time I mean obviously in injury time he reacts immediately to Stoke sending on Ryan Shaw across to pump it long by sending on Carl Bartley much better from him I think yeah. he deserves a bit of credit for that because his substitutions haven't always been spot on this season I would like to see maybe one or two a bit earlier I did think he left it a little bit late again but to be honest they saw out the game so I can't really have any complaints Yes, certainly can't. Uh, let's go on to questions as well. Plenty of questions today. Um, let's get on to them. Um, the first one, Nick Ganderton. Uh, keep asking about the liquidator. Please, Matt, the club need that 12th man now more than ever. Well, it's an interesting point. You know, they they stopped playing the liquidator because of the, um, the swearing that it invokes. And I made the point when it happened that, look, I think it was misconstrued by some that and here's here's how I feel about it. The club are not are not saying you can't swear. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not trying to gag anybody by saying you can't swear at football matches, but they can't be seen 
to be encouraging it. Yeah. I'm not sure, or to be encouraging such an aggressive song. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure. I can't, I can't off the top of my head think of any other club that plays a song before a game that evokes such an aggressive and sweary response from their fans. A lot of clubs play a lot of songs that have a lot of affinity, you think about... But a lot of them are, you know, you think about Stoke and Delilah, you think about Norwich and On The Ball City, you think about um, Liverpool, We Never Walk Alone. But they're all very sort of traditional, um, un, you know, they're not very... Um, More sing-alongs than... Um... Yeah, then they're not very... What's the word I'm looking for? They're not very intimate. Not, they are intimidating at times. What I'm, what's the word I'm aggressive. looking for? Aggressive. They're not aggressive. They're a bit more... Um, Classical, maybe? Is that the way to put it? Traditional? They're a bit more, I don't want to say bland, but they're just a bit more beige than, I suppose. Yeah. A liquidator is very, pumps you up, very aggressive. Now, I agree that the atmosphere, since it's gone, uh, before kickoff, has lost something. But I don't think, I don't think, I, I think by about 12 minutes in, and if it's more what's happening on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's a few thunderous tackles going in, the crowd gets up for it, and I, I don't, I, no, I, I don't think it's 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 fair necessarily to to say, oh, the atmosphere is rubbish. That's because the liquidator isn't being played. I think actually, the fans and they've been brilliant this season. But mm-hmm. They also need to not take some responsibility. That's the wrong word. But if they want to make noise, make noise. Yeah. Um, I I understand where people are coming from because the liquidator has has a lot of, um, it's it's it's. it's Steeped in tradition at Albion, it really is. I mean, it's been there for years. Um, but there, are, there have been complaints about it, and even if they've, even if there haven't been many complaints about it, what sort of club do you want to be? Do you, I mean, do you want to be a club where somebody feels like they can't take their children to it because, oh no, I mean, my this club, yeah. my club plays aggressive songs before the match um, to facilitate a, quite an aggressive um, chant, and I don't really like that. I, I I thought we were a family club. Yeah. Um, or do you want to be more inclusive? You know, there's been some fantastic fan groups emerged in recent years, like the Polish Baggies, Apner Albion, um, the Proud Baggies, who are an LGBT supporters group. And um, I think as a club, being inclusive is, is not a bad thing. Um, and I think no one's, no one's telling supporters that they can't swear or that they can't chant songs that mm. are funny and and rude and a bit and a bit crude. Obviously, there's a, there's a line that you can't overstep. Um, but I just think the club themselves can't be seen to to be you know facilitating that and encouraging it. Yeah. Particularly at the detriment of their own fans, who who, who some of them won't appreciate it. Yeah. Um, that's my own personal opinion. Everyone will have their own personal opinion, and I'm sure I'll probably get pelters on on Twitter for saying that, but. I understand the position. Um, and, you know, yes, it is tradition, but things change, time moves on. So yeah. maybe there's time to have a new tradition. Maybe it is. Um, Stu, WBA68, will the missing owner be coming over to watch any games to back the lads or not bother as we aren't playing any of the top six Premier League sides? Um, I would probably say it's, num- it's the uh, the latter rather than the former. Yeah. Uh, maybe if there, maybe if there was a playoff final, we might come over. Maybe if it was a promotion game towards the end, or they'd won promotion and it was a, a sort of send off, he, he, he might come over. But I think, yeah, uh, it, it's obvious that um, the uh, it, the games he prefers to go and see are, are against the teams that he he's probably more aware of. Mm. Um, you know, like you say, the big six, the Premier League. Yeah, he's, it's unlikely he's going to be turned up to uh, Rotherham, shall we say. Mm. Um, Gaz Sloan asks, given the approaching run of games, will go some way to deciding the outcome of our season. What do you think plan B is should West Brom fall short of promotion? It's like we'll see a good chunk of our first team players go. So how do you think our philosophy will shape the rebuild? Well, plan B, I think, is the academy, isn't it? Well, mm. I mean, that's 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 what I would like to see. Um You've got Samfield, Raheem Harper, Carl Edwards, um, Jack Fitzwater, Jonathan Leeko to a lesser extent. These are players that you can build a future around, not necessarily build a team around, but build a future around. You're going to lose a lot of your big hitters in the summer if, if promotion isn't isn't um, achieved. That's a given. 
but as long as you get good money for them and reinvest it wisely you know you look at Norwich and you can and Leeds and you look at how they have um, spent money that's how to spend money mm. um, Timu Puki arrived on a free transfer and he scored 20 goals this season it can be done you just you have to take the um, you have to take the approach to spend low um, to buy low and sell high and you know I, I'm always wary of this um, perception among supporters that to be ambitious you have to spend money mm. now obviously you are probably going to get a higher calibre of player if you spend a bit more money. Or maybe a m- more of a guarantee. Yeah. But but actually, shrewd recruitment is doing that. It's getting in the gems and then selling them on for more. And if you can, and if you can also do it with your academy players, develop and hone them and, and create those players and then sell them on for 15, 20, you know, Look at Sido. Sold him for 12 million. Yeah. You know, if you can do that, then that is the way to run a football club. Mm. So that will be the future. It will be down to shrewd recruitment. So there'll be a lot on Luke Dowling's shoulders uh, and Ian Pierce, head of recruitment. There'll be a lot on their shoulders in the summer. But I, I would also like to see some of those academy boys that have stepped up this season uh, to really step up next season and, and, and fill the shoes of those players who who have stayed for the season to, to try and rectify the wrongs of last year. Yeah. Paul Chappell asks, with the January loans, how do you rate this squad compared to others in the division? And what would you classify as a successful, average or disappointing season from now? So I think it's the strongest squad in the division. Um, I'd be tempted I think, to agree, yeah. I think back to front, I think it's the strongest squad. Particularly when you get Phillips and Morrison back, I think there's quality all over the pitch and a bit of strength and depth as well. I can't think of any other team that's got that much quality in it. Um, it's weird. I think Stoke have a great squad, but it's just they're not. They're clearly not clicking. No, I'm not convinced by. I don't. I don't think Stoke squad is 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 as strong as everyone thinks it is. Um, I mean, yes, obviously they've got some well-known players in there, um, but it's yeah, it's slightly aging. Anyway, um, I don't think. I don't think there are many other squads. I mean, you could argue Nottingham Forest have got quite a deep squad and quite proven. You know, they've got proven goal scorers, and but I'd, you know, and emerging stars like Joe Lolly and, and things like that. But I, I don't think, I don't think anybody at the top of the table has got as 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 strong as. I mean, look at Sheffield United for example. They bought on Martin Craney on yeah. Friday, who was a player that Albion said had a look at in the summer and said thanks, but no thanks. Um, you know there are a lot of there are you know, a lot of a lot of teams who are who are sort of keeping pace with Albion and doing well with Albion who have got weaker squads I think um, mm. as for success I think obviously success would be top two I said before the season started that for me Darren Moore getting into the top six would represent success yeah and but for the club top two would be success. I think you have to judge the club and the head coach slightly differently. Now, I would wager that the club have actually handed Darren Moore a very strong squad and now it's up to him to deliver in these final few, in this, in this final run-in. But I still think that, you know, when you're in it, it feels like, well, this team really should be going up top two. Hmm. But that is easier said than done. And you look at... Um, Look at who he's up against. Bielsa, one of the most celebrated coaches in the world, and Daniel Fark, who is who has had a had a couple of years and he's really got his team playing the way they want. Yeah. So I would I I'm still gonna say, although I'm slightly erring towards they they need to go up top two. I'm still gonna stick with for now that that if Darren Moore finishes top six, I think he can count himself as having a. An, I don't an adequate and mm. mildly successful season. Obviously, going up top two would be a big success in your first year as manager. As a cracking achievement, regardless of the team you've got. Look at how much he's turned the fortunes around and everything. And you know you've got to remember where this club was when he took over. Um, 
there were genuine concerns about Albion doing a Sunderland and going down again. Mm-hmm. And he's completely flipped it on its head, completely changed it. So I think top six still would would represent a success, albeit, you know, I do understand why some other people would say, no, this team really needs to finish in the top two because it is the strongest in the division. Yeah. Um, Mo- Matthew McFarlane asks, um, given that no team in the league are currently hitting two points a game on average, how many points do you think it will take to secure automatic promotion? Would about 85 be enough? It could be. Um, and this, this seems to have... Uh, all the hallmarks of when Albion won the division mm. and they won the division with 81 points and they lost 11 games they finished second uh, to Newcastle with 91 points yeah. so um, it shows you how, how different different seasons can be and if there is a team that, that r- runs away with it but the I mean Norwich look like they might um, that they could do that they are capable of doing that because I think they've got quite a, an easy run in but you never know in, in you know in the championship when teams are fighting down the bottom and things get really scrappy, it can be difficult. So um I would say eighty five, yeah, I think eighty five will probably get you up this season. And maybe even eighty, which is what Albany are on course for. Mm. But then you're depending on other people then. I think but I think eighty five might might get you up as a second. It probably won't win you the title. I think you're probably looking at ninety plus to win the title. But yeah. Um at the moment I think 85 could, is a reasonable uh, target to aim for. Um, you know, it's been that might be nip and tuck with a few other teams, though. Yeah, I see it going down to the wire this season. I really do. I think it's going to go right down to the wire. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think th- I'd be surprised if we knew the top two um, before mid-April. I mean, it's going to it's going to go all the way. I think. Yeah. Um, Kieran uh, at WBA Kiers asks, you asked recently if we needed to tweak. The system slightly. I personally like the four-three-three, but I think a diamond of Barry, Johansson, Livermore, and Phillips would work well. It would allow Gale and Rodriguez as a front two as well. Do you think that's worth a try? That's interesting. So that would. Re- I mean, the four-three-three and the four-four-two diamond are essentially the same, especially the way Albion play the four-three-three with the false nine, with mm. you know Rodriguez coming deep to get it and the two strikers staying up. Um. I like the idea of putting Phillips there. Although I do think his one of you know that would maybe require him to receive the ball with his back to goal a bit too much. Mm. And I think he his strength is running at people, which is why I think his 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 conversion to a sort of right side of central midfielder worked so well because he got on the ball and ran at people. I don't know if he's great as good with his back to goal. I I think that might be a bit playing against his against his um Attributes. I'd prefer yeah. to maybe see Rodriguez stick in that role and put Phillips out on the wing somewhere. Mm. That that would be the way I would do it. But it's an interesting point. Um, yeah, I understand what I understand why why you would look at that because Phillips is is a bombastic player capable of being providing that dynamism. But I just think as a number ten, you you almost want a an either someone who can hold it up and lay it off, or you want a little schemer like Morrison or Houlihan. I don't yeah. think Phillips would be the right guy for me there. Yeah, I'd probably be tempted to agree with you. Look, we've had loads of questions come in, so I'm sorry if we didn't get round to all of them. Um, but we've still got a couple more things to go, and we're already nearly 45 minutes in. Um, away day appetites, Matt. You were at Stoke. How was the food? Uh, what was the food? Oh, it was um, hot dogs with mustard. Hot dog with mustard? Very nice. And onion rings. Oh, very nice. Tell you what it doesn't compare with, though. Brighton's food. We've talked about this, haven't we? Did we? I haven't been on a podcast since. I swear. Unless you talked about it with Mr. Nathan Judah. I think I did. I think I did talk about it with him. Oh, well. It was a very nice pie. Did it beat the Preston pie? I think we had, I th- I'm pretty sure me and Nathan had this conversation. Oh. I, I think I said. I was so excited to talk about this as well. I've not listened to it. Not, not got around to it yet. Oh, yeah, okay, okay. I've got to listen to so many podcasts, Matt. <laughs> um, all right, then. I've got a little segment which I'm sure you'll love because, Matt, you love these kind of things. Um, it's called If They Go Up. I can tell that you're already loving it. If they go up, do you keep, sell or upgrade the following players? Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Dwight Gale, do you sign him? Yes. Sam Johnston, do you keep him or do you upgrade him? Keep him. Kyle Bartley? I think you I think you need to upgrade. Oh, I don't think he I don't think he's good enough to be a first choice center back in the Premier League. I think he's could maybe be a squad player. 
Mm. Gareth Barry. I think you upgrade. I don't think he's got the legs to do it in the Premier League now, but um, you might keep him around the squad just to, if he wants, uh, if he wants to, just to, just to maybe help see out games and, and bring mm-hmm. him on. But I think he, I think he, his lack of pace would become quite. I mean, to be fair, he's never really had pace, so I think you probably keep him in the squad. But I don't think I don't know if he'd necessarily be a starter, cut player. Yeah, I think you keep him in the squad. I think you, I think you do it if how, he wants to. How Robson Carnu? I think you would try and upgrade him, but whether you whether you're able to or not, I don't know. Livermore. I think you probably keep Livermore. Um, Again, not necessarily as a starter, but I think you definitely keep him, yeah. I mean, it depends on the way Darren Moore wants to play. I mean, it's going to be slightly more back foot rather than front foot for some games in the Premier League, and I think Livermore's quite good at that. Yeah. So you might you would need him, I, I would say, his battling tendencies. And last one, Chris Brunt. I think you keep him, but again, with the caveat that he's a squad player. Mm. I think his... Um, I think his experience and his affinity to Albion um, and I think he could be useful off the bench at times when you're searching for a way through yeah, you're 1-0 down or something mm. um, I think he could be useful off the bench but yeah I, I don't see him starting yeah there you go that wasn't too hard was it no, that's all right. It wasn't too bad. All right, we've got two previews to do. Um, the main, we will focus on the Forest game, seeing as it is tomorrow, but we'll also focus on the, the big the big one on the weekend against Villa as well. Um, Forest first, I mean, another big game. Is a result needed to really build on the Stoke one? Because yeah. if, if, they were to, if they were to drop points here, you'd almost think the Stoke one was almost a little bit wasted, wouldn't you? There's no point beating Stoke away if you can't follow it up I mean they gained ground on some teams on the weekend but if they lose that ground again then you're back to square one so they need you know I don't know what the other games are I believe there's a couple of teams playing against each other I think I can check maybe Sheffield you. United Middlesbrough might be the game but I think this is I'll be need to start ramming home these wins and um, yeah there's no, like I said, there's no point gaining the ground on the Saturday and then losing it on Tuesday. What are the games? So we've got Blues versus Bolton, Bristol City versus QPR, Hull versus Rotherham, Millwall Wednesday, West Brom obviously play Forest. This is on Tuesday, but then on Wednesday you've got Brentford Villa, uh, Derby take on Ipswich, Leeds take on Swansea, Preston Norwich, Sheffield United play Middlesbrough. That's a big one. There you go. Uh, Wigan Stoke and Reading versus Black. So someone's going to drop points between Sheffield United and Middlesbrough. Um, so. You need a win. Um, the other ones, I you know, Leeds, Swansea. You could see Swansea getting something out of that. The way that Leeds have been playing recently. Yeah. I think Norwich are going to win. Who were they playing? Preston was it? Yeah, someone like that. Um, Preston, Preston away. 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 It's away. away. Preston. Preston are quite good. At, Preston are quite good at home. So you never know. And midweek, there's a lot of variables in midweek. A few players rested. It's not necessarily your starting lineup. So you've got yeah. I think Albion have got to try and keep the pressure up on the top two. Um, and hope they slip up. You know they've got a game in hand, so they would be how many points behind? If they win that game in hand, they'll be two points behind Leeds. So yeah, they could get into a situation. Say they win and, and the others slip up, where actually they're looking good. So um, need to keep the pressure up. I'll tell you what, I'm surprised by Bristol City, by the way. Yeah, was that how six? many wins on the bounce? Now? I think it's uh, six. Six wins on the bounce, or five wins on the bounce in the league, or six in the league, and eight in all competitions. They're absolutely flying. But Stunning. Lee Johnson does this regularly. They go on; they're so patchy. They go on massive runs of form, and they and they lose four in a row, and they win six <laughs> in a row, and they lose three in a row. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them now lose four in a row or something. But no, I mean you can't discount them because they are how many points behind Albion? Three points. They're behind. three points behind Albion, and, and they still have that game. And in, they've yeah. got the same same amount of games. So you know you can't discount them or Derby, who are also there. Um, it's a bit bit of a gap then to Blues isn't it but yeah all can change I mean in, in this February where we've got so many games mm. um, a lot of things can change and can change pretty quickly yeah and it's a tough team to judge Nottingham Forest um, no, under a new manager in mind O'Neill um, did beat Brentford on the weekend I mean, what, what, what are you made of them? 
I thought I said before the start of the season that I thought Forrest would be promotion candidates because of the business they did in the summer, um, and I thought Karanka was the, a, a good, a good safe pair of hands to get them up. They only lost two of the first twenty games, mm. but they drew too many. Um, and draws kill you in this league. And draws do kill you in this league. So you need to win. Um, and then obviously Karanka came under a bit of pressure. I mean, eventually he was sacked um, after those those draws turned to to defeats. Since Martin O'Neill came in, obviously quite a sentimental appointment considering his history with the club. Um, but I don't think you should get away from the experience he has as a manager. You know, he's he's, he's done it at pretty much every level with a, with a number of clubs. Okay, mm. He's been out of the club game for six years, uh, managing Republic of Ireland, but he's still been managing. You know, he's not been out of the game. So they've, you know, I don't think you can. I don't think you can question his pedigree, put it that way. Mm. Um, they've won two, lost two, so mixed so far. Um, but they beat Brentford at the weekend with 30% possession at home, which I think might give an indication of how they're going to play against Albion. I think they're going to try and make it very difficult for Albion and hit them on the break with Lolly and Graben. So um be interesting to see how those how they get on. Um, but Albion might need to have to break another team down at the Hawthorns, um, which obviously they didn't. They, they, I mean, they did against against Middlesbrough in the end, but they ended up losing that game. So, mm. well, we wait and see. As you said, though, um, you know, plenty of good players on the team. They got a one all draw last time out. Um, albeit Albion, I think, were lucky to get a point, judging yeah. by the balance of play. Yeah. Will Will Darren Moore have that game in his thinking, or will he think it's a completely different manager, completely different team now? Uh, I don't think he'll think too much about it. I mean, Dwight Dwight Gale said to us after the Stoke game that Nottingham Forest were. Um, one of the best teams that Albion have played this season and I yeah. can understand why he said that because at the start of the, the season they they they, I mean, they absolutely battered them to be fair I mean Albion were lucky to get a point from that game um, but it is a different manager it's a different team and different players Albion are a completely different beast as well now you know they they, they were playing a different formation they worked, didn't really look like they knew what they were doing at that stage and now they look like they know what they're doing so um, yeah, I wouldn't be thinking too much about that. Um, mm. Obviously, it's the return of Claudio Jacob as well. So, um, if he plays, I'm sure he'll get a great reception from the Albion fans. Six successful years at the Hawthorns. So, good to see him. Sure, he will. And a tough day, you'd imagine, um, for Albion's backline with someone like Lewis Graben. Well, he's like Dwight Gale, isn't he? He's a fox in the box, poacher, gets you goals at this level. Um, and he's a different striker to some folks. So, Albion have got to be careful. Mm. I think uh, he might cause him a bit more, a pro- few more problems than uh, than Vokes did because he's not so much of a hustle bustle sort of player. Yeah, having seen him in the flesh, he's one of them strikers that, as you said, like Gale, you just can't give him a sniff because if he gets a chance, he's nine times out of ten he's putting it away. Very little backlift, isn't he? He's one of those players. Yeah, um, give me a prediction, Matt. Uh, I. I mean, this might be just me being optimistic, but I, I think that they might. Back up that 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 victory over Stoke with another with another good performance, and I think they might see it squeeze another one out. Mm. I'll go for two two one to West Bromwich Albion. Two one. I'm gonna go. I might side with you. I think two one is. It'll be one all, and Albion might nick it. That'd be great. I'll take that. Um, of course, a big game this weekend. West Brom Villa. Well, Villa West Brom. Well, Villa West Brom. Yeah. Um, I've got I've got my West Brom hat on, so I always put West Brom first for some reason when I'm doing this podcast. But anyway, three o'clock on a Saturday, which was surprising for me. Um, but I tell you what, we ain't going to complain. Um, it's promising to be a, clack, a cracker. Villa Villa haven't been in the form which they showed under Dean Smith originally. That's coincided with Jack Grealish being out. Coincidentally, picked up the injury against West Brom. Um, how do you see this one going? Because it's impossible to tell, isn't it? I don't know, because Villa are so unpredictable. Um, For 81 minutes the other day, they were one of the worst performances I've ever seen. From I Palace watched side. that game and uh, I'm amazed that they got out of that with a draw because Sheffield United absolutely smashed them. But um, I think Albion will go there with a bit of confidence. It depends on what happens against Forest. But um, I thought Villa were the better team at the Hawthorns. I'd agree. Um, I thought they probably deserved to win. But I th- they, they miss so much without Grealish. He, he provides that, not necessarily that creativity, but he provides that outlet. He, he, he's capable of standing on the ball 
and drawing the foul, drawing players in, and then giving giving other people space to play in. Yeah, and I think I don't think many people realised how crucial he was until he until he went, fell injured. Mm. Um, and now they they look a shadow of the team that they were beforehand. Um, I I I don't know. You could see it going either way. I mean, it's probably going to be a very tight game because it's a derby. So the atmosphere is going to be brilliant because it's three pm Saturday, um, and you know they've Villa have obviously got firepower when you when you've got El Ghazi who was brilliant at the Hawthorns. You've got Tammy Abraham. Um, you've got Codger as well. You know they can score goals and they and they probably will, um, but their defence is so leaky and, and it you know it's one of the worst in the division. I think it's the second worst yeah. in the division. I just think against the likes of Gael and Rodriguez, it's gonna, they're going to struggle to keep Albion out. So I'm expecting a, a high-scoring game, but hopefully one that Albion can can just can just see over the line and just nick, um, just with a, maybe a bit more confidence and a bit more composure, um, particularly at the back and in defence. But look, it, it's 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 one of those games where form does tend to go out the window because mm. it's it's going to be an electric atmosphere and that might just raise it for Villa. Um, so look, we'll wait and see. I think it all depends on the midweek games here, because because Villa now, you look at Villa and having come off what is, I mean, if nothing, if anything is going to give you a shot in the arm, it's going to be that three-all draw with Sheffield United. If they go and beat Brentford, then suddenly they they've got the bit between their teeth. Equally, if if they lose to Brentford, then you think they're going to be at a low ebb. Yeah, it's a big week for Dean Smith. Yeah, he's playing his former club and the club he nearly joined as manager in the summer. Yeah, it's a big week for Dean Smith. Um, I think if you're Albion, you you look at stopping someone like John McGinn, and then I think Villa are there, maybe not there for the taking, but you limit their opportunities because McGinn seems to be the driving factor without Grealish, even though he's not the player that Grealish is. I think Albion will try and control the ball a bit more um, than they did in the uh, in the first game of the Hawthorns when Villa saw a lot of the ball. I think they will try and use Barry and. Johansson and Livermore and to and to try and control possession rather than hit them on the break um, albeit I think they should also try and hit them on the break because <laughs> that is where that back line looks weak to me yeah. they do not look comfortable with players running at them so it needs it could look like it could be a big day for Mur- Murphy and Montero they need a time for them to step up and, and, and be counted because um, they're a week at left back I think they're weak at Full, both fullbacks. I think they're weak uh, um, in defence, and, and you know, Albion will try and capitalise on that. So um, it's going to be a great game, though. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure of that, and um, I'm looking forward to all the the build up after the after the Forest game because um, as as we as we reported at the time, you know, for the first game, there's so much subplot here with 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 Dean Smith and and Darren Moore and Neil Cutler and Gary Walsh. I mean. You've no. got Barry going back to Villa Gareth Park. Barry, Sam Johnston going back Sam to Villa Johnston. Park. Uh, James Chester, if James he's Chester fit, playing Albion. It's just so much, and it's 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 really enjoyable, and it's 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 great to have. It's, I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. But uh, yeah, got to get, got to get through Forest first, and, and and like you say, I think the midweek games will um, impact the mood going into that game. Mm. Give me a prediction. I think it's going to be full of goals. I'm going to say. Another three all at Villa Park. A three all. Three all. Blimey, I don't think it's going to be like I don't think it's going to be that crazy. I think Albion have tightened up a little bit, but I could see a repeat of uh, of the Hawthorns. I'll go with two two. Two two. Sh- shall we do a competition? Go on then. Shall we? All right. Okay. I've not planned this, so we're going to have to pick the fixtures literally as we're going. We're going to do. Should we do for the weekend? Yeah, let's the go weekend. Let's, let's do the weekend. Let's do the weekend. Okay, for those who don't know, this competition is very simple. We pick three games. We pick an anytime goal scorer from those games. And if they all come in, one lucky listener who retweets the podcast will win an Albion shirt with a name and number of their choice on. Um, Matt, do you want to pick these three games? The first one's pretty obvious, I think. Uh, Aston Villa versus West Brom. So I need to pick a goal scorer anytime. Anytime, anytime goal scorer. I'm going to go for... Uh, away from home, I'm going to go for... Jay Rodriguez. Jay Rodriguez. He's gonna he's gonna he's gonna pick the ball up and throw it in the net, <laughs> and the referee will give it. Yeah. Um. What what game do you want to go for after that? Do you want to go Sheffield United Reading or would you rather go somewhere else? We can do Sheffield United Reading. All right, go on. Billy Sharp. That's a, that's an easy one, I think, isn't it? Off a hat trick. 
don't know what if we'll get, if we'll get anything in midweek, but we'll see. Uh, and another game, Matt. Do you want to pick another one for me from this selection here? Do you want to go championship? Do you want to go somewhere else? We can go wherever you want. Um, shall we? Shall we? Shall we do the game that Albion could have been playing? Go Brighton on. versus Derby. Oh, that's a bit mean, isn't it? Brighton Derby. Okay, I'll say Glenn Murray. Glenn Murray. There we go. So if Glenn Murray, Billy Sharp, and J Rod all score this weekend. One person who has retweeted this podcast must follow and retweet the podcast. Will win an Albion shirt. Their name and number of choice on, and it will be all on us. So there you go. You could win yourself a decent prize. Um, that just about wraps it up for us, Matt. Unless you've got anything else to add, as ever. No, no. See you at the Hawthorns tomorrow. That's it. Um, I won't be there, but Mr. Nathan Judah will be. But from me, from Matt. Uh, good luck to you, and good luck to the Albion.